Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, good. Uh, how's your? How are you? Or how's your cold? <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's getting better. Thanks. Uh, my voice is is getting back. It's okay. Getting back. That's good. That's good. Right on. <sighs> um. So. Uh. Yeah. In regards to transitioning from a full-time employee to a full-time entrepreneur. <clears throat> um, so I just want to say up front, I'm really, really feeling a lot of anxiety right now about this call. Um, and uh, I feel like I'm kind of panicking a bit. <laughs> um, Is that because of um, uh, anxiety about the content of the call or my response or anything else? I think it's been largely I'm feeling I've been ha feeling a lot of self-attack about not knowing what to talk about. Um, I just spent the last few minutes just kind of writing, trying to um, just identify what the fear and anxiety is or where those thoughts go. And um, I'm kind of just getting a real runaround. Like my mind's just really uh, buzzing, but it can't mm -hmm. seem to find a calm place to kind of sit and just anyway um but it's it's not so much about uh you i i guess it does definitely feel or my fears about your responses it feels more like just what am i doing or what do i want to talk about or what's the real problem here well it's a it's a great topic and i you know i i applaud you and appreciate you for bringing it up because i've been because i've been thinking about it so it's good to have a it's good to have a convo about it so it's not just me you know, talking about it, but uh, it's a. I think it's a. It's a very deep topic. Mm -hmm. It's a very. It's not. It's not about economics. I don't think. You know, it's all just naturally. These are just my opinions. But <clears throat> the shift to entrepreneurship, I believe, is a class conflict. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like a Marxist necessarily class conflict, but I think that there's a lot of anxiety about moving out of salaried or employment and so on, which is a subservient position, right? I yep. mean, you're yep. not in charge. You can claw your way to the top, but you'll never be your own boss if you do that, in my opinion, because then you're just, you know, responsible to more and more people. And now, I mean, if it's an entrepreneur, you're responsible to customers and so on, but it's not really the same as being your own boss to claw your way to the top. And of course, the people who get to the top of large organizations aren't always the nicest people. They don't always do it the best way. In fact, I can't think of a time where that has occurred, though it may have. Right. And so it's not – and of course, the, the number of executives in any reasonably large corporation relative to the workforce as a whole is tiny. There's one CEO, one – you know, maybe global CTO, one, you know, the CXOs are very, very limited. So most people aren't going to, to make that. And so I, and, and you have to wait for 20 years and you have to inverse, if you become your own boss as an entrepreneur, even in a small concern, you can go pretty quickly. I, mean, I went from a, a pretty low ranking peon uh, as a programmer in a big banking trading company to, you know, being relatively my own boss in a pretty small startup. So I, I have some experience of that kind of transition, but it's it's a very deep and powerful thing to say, I don't want to fit into somebody else's structure. I want to be my own boss. <sighs> boy, oh boy. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, you're right. And I'm just, I'm getting, I got two things from what you just said there. Like two things are popping up for me, which is like, man, this is hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Like to kind of move forward like this and try to, like you said, t be my, truly be my own boss and take all of these responsibilities that. <sighs> and well, no, no, no. I, let me, let me sort of be clear. Oh, sure. You know how to take responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're into philosophy, mm -hmm. uh, so you know how to think for yourself. You know how to take responsibilities. You know you are you you can work hard when you need to. Mm -hmm. I don't think those things are the issues. You know, obviously, correct me if I'm way off, but I don't think those things are the issues that you're facing. Mm -hmm. Stepping from salary to entrepreneur, I think I think it's much deeper than that, and and that's good because that means when that's solved, you know, the energy that can be unleashed, I think, is prodigious. No, I think you. Yeah, I think I've. I do think you're right about that. And this just reminds me of something that I was in my writing, I was feeling a little foggy on where I, I know like I, in terms of skills, it's like, I don't feel any anxiety about skills. Like I feel like I can learn those and that's not an issue. Oh yeah. You can do that. No problem. Yeah. But it's just other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, do you want me to ask questions? Do you want me to give you a framework that I think would be useful and then you can tell me if it makes sense or is there anything else that... Um, maybe I'll just add one more point um, if, if, if it helps in any way, but it's just another thing that came up um, when I was just listening to you, which was I'm just experiencing a lot of anger and frustration in my current workplace because I feel as though um, I want to... I want to be the boss and I'm not. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. That's a very common feeling. That's one way you know that you're an entrepreneur or at least a potential entrepreneur is you think you know better than your bosses. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you either need to find that out one way or the other, right? You can't sort of sit there and say, I know better than my bosses. You need to put that to the test, right? Yeah. And if you're right, yay. And if you're wrong, at least you won't feel that way in your next job, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, that, that was just what I wanted to add. Well, let me ask this. What what skills do you think you're lacking uh, um, as far as going to be an entrepreneur goes? You know, the, only, the thing that pops to mind is just like budgeting. That's something I'm not, not great on. But um, in terms of skills, I'm just racking my brain here. I mean... I really can't think of anything like communication wise. I think I'm okay. Like, I think I'm good. I think I'm, I'm going to be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing significant is coming up. Right. So it's not like somebody saying to you, you know, I want you to go and give a speech in Mandarin tomorrow or I'm going to cut your leg off. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but, but seriously, sometimes it can feel like that level of anxiety, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not, so it's not like you're being asked the impossible. Nobody's asking you to fake your way through an, an appendicitis surgery, right? Yeah. I mean, on the cutting end, not the receiving end, right? No, no, no one's asking you for the impossible. You, you're ask, you're in a sense asking yourself to do what you do in your job, but to be your own boss. Mm-hmm. So it's not a practical anxiety. I mean, there's some level of risk and so on, and of course, right? But, the, but that's, that's all relative, right? And that's a matter of degree, right? So there's risk staying in your current job. 
Uh, there's risk leaving your job. There's risk going to the bathroom in the morning and slipping and falling and killing yourself. There's risk taking a car drive anywhere. There's risk when it's lightning and you're outside. I mean, there's risk everywhere. But this, if I understand where you're coming from, this is a different kind of anxiety. This is more existential than it is, you know, what if, which I can check off. Yes. Is that, is that, I mean, you know, I want to put words in your mouth. Is that, is that sort of, I mean, that's what it was for me, but I don't want to project what it was for me onto you. No, no, it, that, that is what it is. And, um, because I was, um, I don't know if I wrote it down, but the thought I had just before the call was that there's, there's just something about it that has the quality of the impossible. And it's just it, like, I can't, I don't know if that speaks to what you just said. It just, yeah, it's, it's impossible. Kind of, it's abstract. It's sort of like, I don't get it or I don't know. I, right. Right. It's impossible and I have to do it. I mean, that's a, that's a paralyzing conundrum yeah. if ever there was one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me take you on a journey. <laughs> let, me, let me sort of give you a way that I, I sort of worked with it and, and do work with, it, with this because, I mean, I'm, I, I, I talk about an entrepreneur like I used to be one, right? Of course, <laughs> it's not really the case, but I mean, I still am one. But with these kinds of emotions, I would strongly suggest to look at them bigger than your history, bigger than your family, bigger even than your school, and look at the class system. Because employees are very useful to bosses, right? Right, yeah. So if you stay an employee, that's very helpful to people who have a lot of economic clout and power, right? Mm-hmm. If you become an entrepreneur, that's not as good for them, A, because you're unavailable as an employee, and B, because you're now available as a competitor, right? So the people in charge, and I don't mean some sort of shadowy group, I just mean sort of basic economic self-interest, right? The people in charge don't want people to become employees, sorry, don't want people to stop becoming employees and become entrepreneurs because that takes them from a resource to a competitor. It takes them from a net economic positive to a potential economic negative. Right. In fact, it, it definitely is a negative because imagine if... 20% 20% of employees tomorrow said, fuck this. <laughs> fuck this veal fattening pen called a cubicle. <laughs> you know? Fuck this nine to five stuff. Fuck these boring meetings. Fuck all this shit. I'm, you know, I, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm just going to go do it. Now imagine 20% of employees did that tomorrow. <laughs> well, what would happen? There'd be some anxious managers, I think. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people would, like, let's just follow it through, right? <clears throat> a lot of people would quit, and yeah. a lot of people would set up competitors, and those people would have low costs, right? When you're an entrepreneur, you're happy to get a fucking ham sandwich for a week's work sometimes, right? Mm. So they would have low overhead, high work drive, high work ambition. They would be young like you and like I was when I started, without family, without kids, without a lot of fixed expenses, right? And they'd also have a knowledge of the industry. They'd have a knowledge of the customers. They'd have, you know, 
and and the technology that in doing what you do is available for people for you know a couple of grand maybe to start up mm-hmm. uh, something something significant they could work out of their home there you know all of this kind of stuff right so it's uh, it's not good for the bosses <clears throat> that's just one aspect the second is who the hell are they going to get to finish the work that twenty percent of people aren't doing <laughs> well they're going to have to go hire people right. Mm-hmm. But with a pool of 20% fewer applicants, they're going to have to bid up the wages of everyone else, right? Hmm. Because there's less supply of employees because more people want to be entrepreneurs, right? Mm -hmm. And if people are successful, as, you know, I think young, energetic, intelligent, competent people like yourself have every reason to believe they will be, they're going to bid up the price of office space, right? You know, the CEOs that I've known, I mean, they, they all have cottages and kids in private school and, uh, you know, three Jaguars and, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Expensive, expensive lifestyles. And someone's got to pay for that, right? I mean, you're not going to be starting out charging those kinds of rates, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying those CEOs didn't earn it. I'm not saying but, but, But there's a whole section of people who have a lot of power who really, really, really don't want people to become entrepreneurs. So the question is, how, if they ban you from becoming an entrepreneur, right? Mm. Then that's no good because then you'll be too depressed to even be an employee, right? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So how do they infect you with this kind of anxiety about what is fundamentally a merely practical problem. You have a practical problem, right? Which is, you know, go, go and, you know, maybe advertise a little or knock on some doors or find some customers or whatever, right? But it's just a practical problem. How does it become an existential problem about identity and self-worth and anxiety and disaster scenarios and this, that, and the other? How, how does it go to that? Boy, sorry, I'm just... I mean, sorry. Does the does the framework make any sense? Because I I think it's I think it's a big issue, and I think it's a class issue. Yeah, yes, the framework does. That makes perfect sense, and it's kind of leading me right back to my anger. But <laughs> no, <laughs> Which I, I think and it's it good. should. It should. Yeah. It damn well should, because because this kind of infection keeps you, if you don't beat it, it keeps you a wage slave, mm-hmm. right? So you you should be angry because if someone or something, or some structure, or some culture, or some society, or some ethic has made you paranoid about a merely practical problem of personal economic liberation, you should be angry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially if it's been inflicted on you by people who are enjoying the fruits of that economic liberation already. Mm-hmm. 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 So, how do you make, how did you become afraid to be an entrepreneur, which is just a practical problem. It's not an existential, not an identity problem, nothing like that. Well, you know, what's coming to mind here is just, I feel as though, you know, I was convinced that uh, I have inherent inborn flaws. Right. um, That are, you know, just... These are things that can't be overcome. So um, you should satisfy oneself or 
with, you know, with a unionized position. Sorry, this is my mother speaking now because this is basically what she always wanted. She wanted, anytime I told her I was freelancing or I'd quit a job, she, it raised her anxiety. <gasps> right. Yeah, it's like, do you think that's a good idea? <laughs> and, and, and without even, in a sense, the honesty of genuine and principled opposition. Like if, if she'd said, you're an idiot. What are you, crazy? Like, here's yeah. But are you sure that's a good idea? That's more like um, uh, sowing the seeds in a sense rather than having an, an open confrontation about things mm-hmm. yeah. where you could, you know, where you could uh, actually, in a sense, have a conflict out in the open about the levels of risk and talk about it as opposed to, oh, I don't know. Do you think that's a good idea? That's just like, uh, you know, you, you can't, in a sense, you can't fight that, right? It's not bullets that you can dodge. It's fog and you got to breathe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it creates it. Yeah. It makes me think of it. It's almost as though I end up creating the seed of doubt that kind of puts my judgment into question. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so your mom had anxiety when you would be freelancing mm-hmm. and uh, what else? I'm not saying that's not important maybe that's all it is, but is there, is there anything else? Um, Oh, I'm trying to think now because that was definitely a big one and it always bugged me. Um, but I mean, um, well, I think, well, you know, actually the one that comes up is it's on the, I don't know. At first I, I was like, oh, that's insignificant. But actually I think it's like one thing I like to do a lot. And uh, when I was young is just play a lot of video games because it was a lot better than um, hanging up upstairs with my mom and <laughs> and and they're fun. Yeah, exactly. They were. It's not all trauma based. I mean, they. I hope not. Anyway, because I still enjoy the odd uh, odd game. But yeah, it's uh, they're fun. They're very engaging. They're challenging. They're stimulating. They're yeah. Oh yeah, no, it was. Yeah, that was that. Actually, to me, it still uh, forms a huge part of kind of my childhood. But I mean, I, another thing I remember, and this. Certainly this goes for my mom, but my dad, you know, there's a lot more anger and confrontation, but they kind of come downstairs on sunny days and it's like, are you sure you want to do that? Don't you want to go out and play? And it's such a nice day outside. Don't you want some fresh air? (laughs) Empirically, no, (laughs) because this is where I am. Yeah. I I used to go like every, every Saturday, God knows this was back in the late seventies. Oh my God. They, they, they had a computer lab at school. And uh, you, you, it would sort of be open from 10 till 2 or whatever if you wanted to come in. and uh, Rain or shine, you know, like I was in there. I was just geeking it out with everybody, learning how to program, learning how these ridiculous computers with 2K of memory <laughs> worked and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it, was, uh, it was fascinating. It was fascinating. I, I remember one time, because you always had to have a parent there, and uh, one time parent couldn't I actually did manage to drag my mom over for a couple of hours so that I could – do more. Everybody thought we were just playing games, right? And because, but we were programming games, which was, you know, how everybody used to learn how to program before. Games were a multi-million-dollar <laughs> uh, sort of um, uh, endeavor. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, and people say, "Oh, don't you want to be outside?" It's like, well, the first clue is I'm here, which <laughs> would indicate that no. You know, if you're sitting there on the couch and somebody says, "Don't you want to be somewhere else?" It's like, I don't think you really understand empiricism. <laughs> <laughs> If I wanted to be somewhere else, I don't think I'd be here. 
<laughs> yeah, I just I always hated those kinds of open-ended questions because um, it's not a fair fight, so to speak. You know, just hey, come out and tell me, tell me I'm wasting my life staring at a screen. Come on, tell me that I'm, you know, tell me that you know that it's much better outside, and we'll have that conversation. But planting those little seeds, bleh, you know. Eeh. Yeah, yeah, and and something that just popped into my mind. <laughs> That's my is... Big philosophical argument. Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> Highly effective. I, yeah, it hits me right here. But yeah, it's, I mean, I guess another thing that, that came up is just, you know, uh, how much I did enjoy these games. And uh, there was a real, you know, it was, there was very delightful and I was quite happy. And, and, you know, there were genuine moments where I was like, hey, do you want to play with me? And let's play together. And, you know, it was always sort of a, they'd put in a few minutes and then they didn't get it and they'd leave. And it's like, I, I don't know, part of me feels as though like, because they didn't, they weren't excited that oh, it's like a bad thing. It's not as good. Or does that make sense? Like, yeah. And look, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember too many of the details about your family, and it's not too important. But what I, I mean, I don't mean it's not too important. It's not too important for the context of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I very clearly remember from my family is that people would get upset with me for the symptoms of the problems within the family, but they would never ask me about the causes. So I loved an album called The Wall by Pink Floyd, and side three I played a lot. I dare say perhaps incessantly. Anyway, (laughs) I played it a lot. And so people would say, well, that's, uh, you know, you know, get you know, get some different taste. You know, this is is obsessive, blah, blah, blah. So it would become like a negative, right? Mm. And what people wouldn't say is, Huh. I wonder why Steph finds this album of brute human pain <laughs> to be so compelling. Uh and pain derived from a guy who doesn't have a dad and whose mother is claustrophobic and and all that, right? Nobody would say, "Why is this album important to you?" right? Yeah, exactly. They would just say, uh, you know, this is not good or this is bad or this is immature or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really understood a little bit more later in life that that's a very dangerous thing to do, I think, with with people, um, you know, to just get upset with them. So there was a reason why you were playing video games. I mean, let's say, I don't know, let's say you were playing them to excess. Well, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Hard to say. But um, the, the question is, the, the question is important from your relationships, not the judgment. The question, why do you think you like these video games so much to learn something about you and and not with the agenda of like so we can fix it mm-hmm. but just you know hey t- help me to understand why you like these video games so much like i you know you live in this house you play these things a couple of hours a day i really really want to understand it's not not good or bad like i really want to understand why you like these so much you know I, as opposed to you shouldn't like them so much you should be doing something else if that makes any sense yeah no, that's... And most times people don't ask that question because they don't want – because they know the answer. They don't want the answer, right? Yeah. It's... Why am I listening to side three of the wall? Because my family is fucked up. Mm-hmm. So nobody can ask that question because they know the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's I – just, I just sort of wanted to, to point out that. As opposed to, you know, someone say, oh, do you think it's a good idea for you to be freelancing? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> As opposed to, well, tell me what, you know, do you like freelancing? Do you like salary? What, you know, what do you think? What are your goals? But, you know, just curiosity, just finding out about another human being rather than just managing your own anxiety by judging them. 
Oh yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Like just, I don't know. It just <laughs> really, it just, uh, it really pisses me off. There's that, like, there was never that shared enthusiasm. It was almost like, I don't know how to, I totally Nobody ever asked me why I was interested in computers. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm interested in computers because my my social and familial life is so chaotic that I really love having an environment which is predictable and controllable. Exactly. That's exactly how I felt about my games. That's exactly. I could I could level up. I could I could actually become more and powerful. Didn't mean you could win, but it was predictable and it wasn't random and it wasn't mm -hmm. destructive. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, in, nobody in my environment is rational, but programming is rational. Mm -hmm. So so I just sort of wanted to put that in, in a framework. So you just talked about your mom. Uh, what about your your friends when you would talk about, you know, hey, I'm freelancing and I really like it or whatever, right? Hmm. My friends, I'm trying to think. Friends, if I have any. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I like at that time when I was freelancing. I mean, I had friends, but I don't think I would have called any of them very close connections. I mean, I think, but I'm trying to think. I mean, I did share that with people that I was freelancing. I was proud of that. Like former, um, like people I went to school, design school with. It's like, yeah, I just got this contract and things are going really well. Check out my work. Um, but the reactions, um. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how to put my finger on it, but there is that sense of like not wanting to be too enthusiastic. Right, right, right. You know, I uh, I'm not uh, I'm not shocked. <laughs> I'm not shocked. <laughs> right. See, this is you know to to praise the free domain radio community a little bit, which I think is perfectly justified. You you, you can't fundamentally be any bigger or any more powerful, or any more secure than the people in your environment allow or encourage you to be. I believe that it's an iron law hmm. of society, of human nature. We cannot be more confident, or bigger, or more powerful, or more ambitious than the people in our environment allow us to be, or encourage us to be. Free Domain Radio screws up that equation. Hmm. As I think, uh, you know, other far more competent, inspiring people like uh, uh, Socrates or Ayn Rand or other people who've, who've inspired people, is that here's a community where if you say you want to be an entrepreneur, you're probably going to have 10 people offering to help you and encourage you, right? Or more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that's not how society is supposed to work. Society is supposed to work that we all keep each other down so that we don't compete with the big wigs and we don't compete with the people who have real power and, and wealth, right? Mm -hmm. But I think you're missing a big, a big part of it. So what else is there? So your mom, your friends, maybe a little? What else? Um... It doesn't sound like friendly. What else? What else? <laughs> what else? Damn it. The big one should be obvious. I'm just kidding. Right. Um, the bigger they are, the harder they are to see, right? Right. Well, I just, I guess maybe I'll just start with 
because it's funny when you just said when you were talking about the free domain radio community and the fact that and i think it's very true that you know as as, as soon as you kind of say i'm working towards this goal and you know that I, I i always get that sense that people are, are just extremely supportive and really want to help and when you said when you kind of said oh yeah you'll have like 10 people at least just want to offer help it's like oh i i got really scared right there right right um i don't know if that's part of what i'm missing but <sighs> well uh it's um it's it's school um school and and school this isn't even a theory right i mean government schools were were instituted to prepare people for factory work they were instituted to make sure that people became good robots pushing good robots right i mean that's not even this that's a complete that's an open agenda this is like this just john taylor gatto talks about this repeatedly this isn't even this isn't even a conspiracy theory this is the openly stated goal of the prussian based it first, you know, produce soldiers and priests, and then to produce factory workers, to produce employees, to produce salaried wage slaves. That is the intention of public school, because you're not allowed to choose anything. You you go around like a fucking can of tomato soup on a conveyor belt from place to place. Um. Wow, I I know why I didn't get this or see it at all now because I don't even want to think about that. And 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 think about anybody, any goddamn person who expresses any kind of ambition in junior high school or high school. What happens to that person? Yeah. Well. What happens to that person? What happens to that person? Well, the they're going to for the people in the future who may be listening who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're going to get attacked in a big way, and um, not only by first the teachers, but then by the other students, if they haven't been attacked already by. I don't know. That's really difficult to think about because that's just. A, Slaughterhouse. I mean, yeah. I mean, um... it's brutal. Everybody in in high school is is poised to attack anybody who breaks ranks. Now, there are limits to that. I mean, if you're really, really handsome, or you're really good looking, or you're really rich, then you can do whatever the fuck you want in high school. And you will just pull people along like a star pulls along planets. But if you're not blessed with those particularly shallow and ridiculous yet essential at that time blessings, and you simply are relying not on the implicit argument of biological superiority or financial superiority, but you're relying just on you know, personality and, and rationality, you're screwed if you try to do anything big, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why there are all these fantasies of bigness, right? That I've talked about before. These these comic books and cartoon characters and so on. All these fantasies of you know, Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons. These larger than life heroes, these demigods, and so because you can't be any of those things. Yeah, I mean the, the entire structure doesn't allow it. I mean, think if if I mean this is a ridiculous example, right? But think if if Bono from U2 was running 
the educational system. I mean, the the guy, whatever his faults may be, and I'm sure they're legion, as, as all of us are, but I mean, he's pretty passionate about about big projects. And he's pretty, like, as, as Peter Gabriel said, you know, he kind of gets his teeth into your neck and he doesn't let go until you say yes. I mean, the guy's a bulldog. <laughs> you know, hyperverbal, very passionate, very encouraging, you know, just won't stop to get things done. Mm-hmm. Now, if he was running a high school, he was the principal, right? <laughs> the principal with the coolest bug-eyed shades that you'd ever seen, right? He would be like, yeah, you want to you wanna do this thing? That's great. You want to do that thing? Yeah, let's let's figure out how we can do it. Let's get the resources to enable you to do that. Let's let's just make it happen. Because, I mean, that's the kind of shit that goes down in private schools. In private schools, particularly Montessori schools, is child-directed. Child wants to do X. They find a way to make X happen. Mm-hmm. Not this, you know, you go into that fucking peg hole and you stay there until we give you a piece of paper and shove you out the door. Yeah. 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 So there's family, there's friends, there's there's school, there's, you know... Extended family, did you know anyone who was an entrepreneur when you were a kid? No. Right, of course. No. Because it's very effective, right? Yeah. This uh, ban on ambition is incredibly effective. I mean, this is, you know, this is what blows my mind when people say anarchism can't work. It's like, it's working everywhere. (laughs) It's working everywhere. I didn't know a single entrepreneur. I knew people who were nurses. I knew people who were teachers. I knew people who, who worked in hardware stores. Uh, I knew people who worked in, in offices. Uh, but I, I, I even knew a professor. But I didn't know entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Because either they come from a realm where entrepreneurship is encouraged, right? I mean, like Bill Gates dead. What was he, a, a patent lawyer or some shit like that? That's kind of helpful to have in your corner when you're negotiating with IBM about the future of the known universe, right? I mean, yeah. It's some pretty useful stuff to have. So the entrepreneurs either come from other entrepreneurs or they come from some environment like you and I, in which case the last place they ever want to go back to is an environment that they came from. Mm. Because there'll be this weird resentment, there'll be this this tension, there'll be this whatever, right? Yeah. And there'll also be this memory of, of how much they had to not listen to the small-minded, parochial, claustrophobic, head clamps words from those around them in order to have some sort of ambition, some sort of growth, some sort of power, some sort of self-direction. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, that's just why we don't see any of these people. They're either not coming from where we are or they're coming from where we are and never want to come back. <sighs> yeah. Whereas, you know, I mean, <clears throat> my daughter uh, is probably never going to even imagine that you could even have a regular job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's the shit that I do for a living, right? Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. And that's good. Hey, if she wants to be an employee, I think that's fine. I mean, if that's what her choice, you know, yay, good for her. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, not um, not as, you know, but if she wants to become an entrepreneur, I, I yeah, you can do it. We can make it happen. Let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I somehow, yeah, exactly. That, that approach, you know, if, 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 when she's encouraged at every turn, like anything she's interested in, I don't see how that would lead to being an employee, but I, I just wanted to say that, like, <laughs> well, she it. might be right. So she might, yeah. maybe she wants to be a, a novelist or something right. and she's going to need to get a job to, to write books at night. I mean, th- there could be lots of, maybe she finds that she likes the job and, or whatever, right. Or maybe she wants to be, I don't know, <clears throat> um, a doctor or something and she wants to work for some, I don't know. I mean, who knows, right. Yeah. It, yeah. That, that's fine. I, I just, you know, I want there to be an open 
field for her to choose from, any direction that she wants, with neither pushing nor pulling nor barring. And so, yeah, but, but, you know, I mean, if she says, I want to be uh, the greatest painter since uh, Henri, then I'd be like, hey, okay, let's find a way to make that happen. I'm in no doubt that she can do it if mm-hmm. she wants to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's, um, you know, that having been said, you know, if she doesn't pick up a paintbrush, then I'm not going to assume it's going to happen. I have to be clear about what you need to do, right? It's not magic, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. so I, I really wanted to sort of place this, like, in context, right? So we're embedded in families and families are embedded in communities and we're embedded in school and school is embedded in culture and the culture is all embedded in a government and the government is embedded in a class structure. And the class structure wants workers and middle managers at the top of the class structure. Masters of our universe, so to speak. Hmm. And I'm not saying that they're, you know, bad, evil guys. I mean, it's just that they have this desire like everyone does. I mean, you'd prefer it if you were the only person offering your good or service in a particular area. Of course you would, because then everybody would have to come to you. It's natural. Mm-hmm. And if you had, I don't know, I mean, <laughs> you'd have to be a really damn good friend if, if your best friend who was 10 times better at your job than you were said, hey, I'm going to open up an office right next to yours. You'd be like, hey, that's great. Let me help you. <laughs> that would be tough, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so so given that, you know, the government exists and, and public school exists and and the self-interest of those who are in charge of the government, right, the people who lobby, the people who have money, the people who choose the politicians who get elected and then choose whether they get elected or not, at least in terms of funding them, these people quite naturally, quite naturally do not want much competitors, right? So as I mentioned in Adam's show the other day, <laughs> the law in Florida says you you have to go through like a couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of training for a couple of years to become an interior designer. <sighs> right? There was some woman, I think, who was also mocked on The Daily Show, who wanted a 300-hour curriculum for learning how to braid hair on the beach. And why did she want that? Because she well, – well, it's natural, right? So she you know, obviously started doing this as some hippy-dippy young thing. And then she got older, and you know, as you get older, your costs tend to increase. Right? Mm. You need, you can't just live in a basement apartment. Or you can't just live on a friend's futon. You, you know, you need your own space. You need, you know, if you're any kind of uh, libertarian, hopefully, you need some finances to not have your kids go to public school. You need, you know, a car and all that sort of shit, right? So what happens is, is that she, she started doing this hair braiding, and she noticed that, hey, there's always some new drifter coming along who's willing to braid hairs for like a buck fifty. Unfortunately, I need to charge ten bucks, but I'm not, you know, eight times better or seven times better at braiding hair. And so I need to find a way. I, I can't reduce my costs because I'm not this homeless wife who's coming down to the beach to braid hair. So how the hell am I going to be able to continue to charge ten bucks when someone will charge a buck fifty? who's younger than me, who's cuter than me, who's more willing to flirt than me, who's not got haggard old wrinkled sun damaged leatherhead like me or whatever, right? Right. Right. So she says, "Oh, well, you know, hair braiding is very, very important. You know, you don't want to give lice as a safety issue, there's a health issue. She scares the shit out of everyone. She goes and lobbies the government and blah 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 and the, all the other people who are old and want to keep their prices up because their expenses are higher than the young things who are willing to charge less. They all thunder to the government. It's natural." Right? If the power is there, people are going to want to use it. 
Mm-hmm. And it's really tragic, of course, because, <clears throat> I mean, obviously it's really bad for everybody who comes after them and so on. But what it does do is it makes hair braiding, which is a pretty ridiculous occupation, <laughs> seem kind of reasonable. Because it's like, hmm. hey, you know, 10 bucks an hour or 20 bucks, whatever, like 10 bucks a hair, that's like 50 bucks an hour, do that eight hours a day, that's like 100 grand a year. As opposed to it should be a buck 50, so you should do it and then move on, right? Yeah. Like if you were paid a quarter million dollars a year, not a lot of people would graduate from waitering to anything else, right? So keeping the price artificially high keeps people stuck in these ridiculous occupations that should be stepping stones, that should be transitions. So right. I'm not, you know, I'm sorry this is a long speech, but I, I really sort of want to to Im- to impress upon you the degree to which these fears are driven by the economic self-interest of people who have a lot more power than you and I can ever dream of. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I'm really, I'm really feeling still stricken by the, just this, you know, school. School. <laughs> Bringing that up. Yeah. Just, um, I feel like that's definitely something I need to, take a closer look at in terms of um, just how much, you know, I had to just hide myself and to... to... Well, let let me tell you what an entrepreneurial school would look like, just so you get a sense of how fucked up our education system really is. And this is not my invention. This has been done before in the 19th century and the Lancashire school system. Mm -hmm. The teachers compete with the students for better classes, right? So you you got teachers who put out an offering which says, hey, I'll teach you calculus for, you know, 300 bucks in six weeks or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But then the students who've already learned calculus can turn right around and compete with the teacher and say, are you kidding me? (laughs) 150 bucks in two weeks. Easy peasy, nice and easy. I'll show you. And, And of course, they can charge less because they have lower living expenses, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and then someone who's just a complete genius at teaching and at calculus, maybe he'll offer it to you in uh, one week for 75 bucks, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe, but maybe one week people don't learn that much and they feel kind of ripped off. So maybe he has to offer them a refund or maybe they just, you know, whatever. Hey, I'll give you $75 credit to try out my course or whatever, right? So you're making money instructing people in competition with your teachers by offering an alternate curriculum to younger or less experienced or less knowledgeable people. That's, that's a school system that has been tried before that was enormously successful. I mean, can you imagine turning, standing up in your functions and relations class in high school and saying, you know what, Matt, this teacher's really, really dull. Listen, anybody who's interested, I, I, got, I understand this stuff. Trust me, I, you know, I, I got it. Anybody who's interested... I got a, you know, something across the hall. Get a refund from this joker. Come <laughs> with me. Come across the hall with me. And we're going to do it with like jelly beans and rocket ships and video games. And <laughs> have a party. There's going to be a disco ball. I got the ghost of Elvis on karaoke. You know, we're going to have a ball learning this stuff. And I promise you will never forget it again for the rest of your life. So let's, let's ditch this droner. Let's go across the hall. Let's have some fun learning this stuff because it is important. It is useful. And I'm dying. My, my brain is attempting to eat it, its way out of my skull with boredom at the moment. So uh, I'll give it to you for half the price. It'll take half the time. be twice as, you know, twice as fun. This isn't even fun at all. It'll be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, who's with me, right? And imagine half the class comes with you. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine. That would be a school for entrepreneurs. Yeah. 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 
absolutely the speech you just gave there or just like of, of that child it's exactly the kind of speech that's running through my head daily at work right now <laughs> i'm just like this could be so much more fun yeah this could have so much more integrity this could be so so much better oh yeah and we could all want to come to work <laughs> you know we could all get up in the morning humming because we want to come to work mm. i love coming to work i love coming to work i look forward to it I, oh email yay I <laughs> i'm so excited yeah. yeah yeah but that of course <clears throat> is the complete opposite of our experience at work at, at school right and and that translates right so they're trying to create us to just be dull resentful brain dead drones who can type and scratch and answer phones and fax and whatever right yeah, it's 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 retarded and it's ridiculous that we have still this educational system inherited from a complete post-medieval fascistic dictatorship in Prussia from the 18th century. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, really I mean, is. everybody who's a fan of the school system should not be allowed to touch any medicine newer than 200 years. Uh. Like, that should you know, it's your bucket of leeches, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's how it should be, but that's not. Uh, you know, people don't understand that, right? So, so I just, I really want to point out, you know, I've, you know, I've bagged on the family, and I think that there's good reasons to bag on the family, but the family is itself embedded upon a, upon a larger and exploitive economic context that, in a sense, they're just mindlessly reproducing, if that makes any sense. Right. Right. No, that that definitely does make sense, but I, I just want to say, I, I feel like I may have, um, like I, uh, I totally connected. Well, no, I don't think I totally connected with the, the class thing. I thought that I think that is important, but I feel like I skipped over it or something. I'm not sure why, but you mean sorry, you skipped over the school thing? Sorry, no, no, the 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 uh, when you're talking about classes. Oh, it's huge, right? It's a huge, yeah. it's a huge topic, but it takes some of the personal burden off ourselves and our immediate family, right? Because it's like okay, so there's this whole big thing. Like I had a very very cautious history teacher, very cautious about everything. He was like, oh, you know, I, you know, I would come up with some pretty wild topics for history papers. And he'd be like, mm, I, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. a bit outside the mainstream. That's, I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know if anyone's done that research before. I don't know, right? <laughs> I just I remember saying to him one day, I said, you know what's funny? <laughs> you keep telling me not to take any chances. You tell me one person that you have ever taught about in history who didn't take chances. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone you talk about in history. You, you're a big fan. This guy was a big fan of Martin Luther, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Martin Luther, take a chance. You love this guy. He would tell us about Socrates. Did Socrates take chances? Yeah. So if everyone you teach, and the only reason you have a job is because other people took chances, don't you think you could maybe flex out a little bit some of these constraints? Yeah. 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 It's the same as the philosophy professors who also worship Socrates the moment you start engaging with them in a Socratic debate that they start to lose, though suddenly they're not such a big fan of the Socratic method. <laughs> I want to teach Socrates, but if I have even a whiff of Socrates in this class, I have sorry, Greek ass. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, that's, that's I've also made the case about free market professors, right? Yeah. No yeah. such thing as a free lunch, except for me working three hours a week for six figures and having a sabbatical every couple of years. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. It's so much hypocrisy. I mean, I just... <sighs> But, but, you know, it's, it's weird to point it out, right? Because that, that is the matrix, right? The, the matrix is the economic self-interest plus the hidden coercion of the state. That is the matrix. And pulling out of it is, is, is really, really hard because it's not like you're just saying, okay, I'm going to just, you know, push through the shit and become an entrepreneur, which you could do. Mm-hmm. It'd be stressful and it'd be, you know, harder than it needs to be if you can get this stuff. And that sounds really condescending. I'm still working to get this stuff, so please don't think I'm like, ah, I'm across the river and I'm yelling at you to swim, swim, damn it. I'm still trying to get, I mean, the enormity of, of cultural pressure is is so large. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it 30 years in. So I hope that that doesn't sound like a... You know no, no. I mean? yeah. but, but you are wrapped into a, a very powerful engine of, uh, of human subjugation. Right, it's 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 second wave slavery. I mean, the fact that slavery ended in a formal way doesn't mean that all those economic actors just went, oh, okay, <laughs> let's let everyone be free. No, 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 no. It's like, okay, let's do slavery 2.0. Right, slavery 2.0 is <clears throat> pounding initiative, pounding curiosity, pounding ambition out of children uh, through boredom and through uh, the teacher inspiring mockery and humiliation on uh, the part of the other kids to any kid who, who steps out of line. It's, it's building up that horizontal slave-on-slave violence that I've talked about yeah. so many times before. That's, it's all inculcated. It's all there. Because otherwise, right, there, there are these very scarce resources called executive-level positions, called starting companies, called office space, called access to lawyers. Called, I mean, it's very, very scarce resources. Mm-hmm. They don't want people competing for those resources. Because yeah. if people compete for those resources, the economy would look fundamentally different than it does now, and the economy would be in much greater flux. Right? The moment people have money and power, that's well, the first thing they do is they want to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And they do that by reducing competition. And the way that they've understood how best to reduce competition is to reduce human beings. You know, this is uh, – damn it. See, okay. All I want to say is that – I mean this is exactly what's going on again in my workplace, which is just to say – I mean, this has been just a phenomena I've been experiencing in the last couple of months, which is I've been just feeling a, a much deeper connection to myself. So there's been a lot more like I've been asserting myself a lot more, uh, mm. certainly in all areas of my job and especially in my job. And the level of I mean, and I know I it, it was it's like a beam of light. As soon as I started to do this, I could see exactly who people were. And I had big handfuls of passive aggression as soon as I started you know, it's funny because the the business itself, they're trying to grow, they're trying to do things differently, so they've started encouraging the critical analysis of projects. And, you know, you've got these dinosaurs who think, who the hell does this piece of shit think he is? Asking me why I made the hands on this character so big. It's like, anyway. It, it, but it's just, right, part of it, they, they feel so threatened. Like, this isn't an opportunity for discourse or learning. Like the, yeah. the, it's, it's, they're st- like, they just want things to stay as they are. Um, yeah, they do. They do. And, um, that is a, that is not a secure manager, right? I mean, a secure manager is the one who says, that's very interesting. Tell me more. Right. Or, you know, maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, but let's, you know, let's see some facts behind this. Let's see some market research. Let's see some evidence or whatever, you know, feel free to make the presentation. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um. But of course, the weird thing is that to be afraid of the anger of people in authority is what we're trained for. Not because that, <clears throat> that anger has any justification, but because it's implacable, because it attempts to hook into a guilt that we may have or a guilt that has been inculcated through moral judgment, and because we can't reason with it, although it claims to be rational. Uh, and that's, that's yeah. a terrifying set of circumstances. And this fear of the arbitrary punishments and moral condemnations, quasi-moral condemnations of people in authority, that is, uh, that's very hard for people. It's very hard. It's hard for you. And it's hard for me. I mean, I, it's hard for me as well. So, um, I, but, but I think it's just really important to recognize that this is just how we're trained. And that the, the training isn't any big manual that evil people in a troll vault are, are piecing together out of goblin blood or something. It's mm. just the inevitable consequences of, uh, of power. Uh, concentration of, of political and economic power is, is what happens. And uh, so... I think just, just be aware of those fundamental barriers. You are trained to stay in a very small enclosure and you want to take off to the wilds. Mm. And there are lots of people having great fun in the wild who don't want you out there because <laughs> there's less room for them. Yeah. And so they've trained you to be frightened of the wilds and yet at the same time, philosophy is saying, wild, 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 baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and of course, I think everybody knows this in many ways, which is one of the reasons why parents are so messed up about this kind of stuff, right? Because, I mean, I would assume that your mom didn't exactly fulfill her own desires, ambitions, and potential. Uh, otherwise, she'd be more encouraging of yours. So if you can get a generation to not fulfill their dreams, then their kids' dreams are going to be that much more anxiety-provoking for them in ways that they can't probably express very well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I totally connect with that. I, I already feel like I'm almost... I'm kind of light years away from the type of dreams my parents had. I mean, my, you know, like housewife, office worker. It's like I'm trying to – I'm really just – oh, my God. I've just got claws right now because I'm just trying to scrape some sort of new path here. It's just – it's like crawling around in the dark. But anyway, I connected with that. I yeah. Well, and, and the great thing that you can do through this, I think, my friend, is is because you understand this this issue, right? This very huge issue, um, this this truly global issue. You can become the kind of entrepreneur who is going to encourage his employees rather than viewing them as threats, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that is the greatest kind of entrepreneur. That is the most powerful kind of entrepreneur in the long run. It's the entrepreneur who welcomes. A challenges to authority, the entrepreneur who encourages confrontation and competition from employees. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As opposed to, hey, I broke through, so now I'm going to start crushing everyone to make sure nobody follows me, right? <laughs> right. Right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And if, yeah. I'm, I, I feel, I just want to say I feel kind of empowered right now. Um, Yay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and look, I, I promise you that tomorrow you won't. You'll be scared again because it happens to yeah. me too. But, but it, you know, I just, I just keep coming back to this. Look, I was, I was trained <clears throat> for a certain kind of life. And 
half-life, quarter-life, tenth of a life, one percent of a life. I was trained to be, you know, all hands and no head, right? And I want to not live in that kind of limited way. And have I been grandiose at times? I have no doubt that I've been grandiose at times. Have I achieved more than I ever thought I would? Absolutely. Uh, am I going to achieve more? Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, will yeah. I bump up against various things and, and make mistakes? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and will I fail to live up to my own standards at times? Of course I will. I mean, that's <laughs> natural. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I just, I did not want that kind of limited life of, um, you know, the best you can hope for is being a middle manager in an unstable economy and call that security. You know, that security bullshit may, you know, work 30 years ago, right? When you could get a union job and expect it to last your lifetime or when you could, you know, be a teacher and expect to never get fired or you could be a middle manager and you'd either never get fired or you'd get another job again pretty quickly. I mean, you know, people who look for security in the mainstream economy these days are mental. I mean, they just, they don't get it. They don't get it. I mean, the the greatest security, you know... Just to speak from my own experience, excuse me, I mean, uh, if I had stayed in the software field because it was more secure, well, I was in R&D and marketing. Well, what are the two things that companies cut when they face economic hard times? Well, the stuff that doesn't pay off immediately, i.e. R&D and marketing. And um, so I have found much more security, I believe, much more financial and job security begging for loose change in the dark corners of the internet than I would have, I believe, staying in a very south-facing Canadian software industry. Hmm. So as the people I know who've stayed in the field, some of them had a pretty rough time of it. So I would, uh, you know, for me, security was achieved through risk. Uh, And that makes sense because risk means that few people are going to do it. And so if you can do it, there's, there's less competition. And uh, so, yeah, I would uh, I, I would recommend that you do it because I think you're going to get much more security in the long run uh, through through this. And 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 you can't fail. You can't fail because even if the worst happens and you know you struggle and you try and you fail, when you return, if you have to return to to an employee, you would have learned so much about the business world. You would have learned so much about what makes a business work. Mm-hmm. That, your value as an employee to anybody with any brains at all is going to be multiples what it is now. So you, you can't fail. All you can do is learn hard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and that's – I guess that's another thing that I'm – it's just something I'm having to kind of negotiate with myself is the right time to actually make the transition. Um, but uh, – and there, yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody can tell you much about any of that sort of stuff at all. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, there, there may never be uh, a right time. I mean, it's sort of like, huh, that, you know. Yeah. That, <laughs> do it, right? That's absolutely it. I mean, the more I kind of look at, like, as soon as I, my mind starts to going, there's preparation or something of that, I always, oh, I realize, no, you know what? I just have to start doing it. That's when I'm going to actually know what I need to do in order to make my company more efficient or yada, yada. It's like I won't know how to do any of it until I actually just start doing it. But um, So anyway, I guess a, a certain amount of um, self-assurance comes from that. It's like, oh, okay. So that's pretty easy. I just start. <laughs> yeah. Look, the only suggestion that I would have is mm-hmm. um, you should you should start when you have – a community. Hmm. 
Mm. right? You should start when you have a community. If you do it completely alone, that's really hard. Mm. That is really hard. But if you have a community of people, they don't even have to be in the same industry, right? But just people who've done something like this before, or, or at least who are willing to be a sounding board. I mean, there's lots of people, lots of entrepreneurs uh, who hang around Free Domain Radio, which is great. But I would do it to the point where you can, you know, at least have a weekly call or, or people you can, you know, ping and ask for advice who know what you're up to, know what you're doing. Uh, because to be completely alone and, and doing that is is really, I think that's that's too much ledge work for any kind of relaxed yeah. concentration. So I think, I think that the time to entrepreneur is when you have a community uh, to some degree of people who are willing to help you out, who you're willing to help out so that it's not such a solitary endeavor. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Just kind of having a, a nice network and uh, yeah, I've really felt an incentive lately to, to really invest in that. So that I think that's great advice. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that would be my only suggestion. So, uh, listen, I mean, that, that's all I really had to say about it. Hey, again, we really want to appreciate you, really appreciate you bringing this up because it's a very big, it's a very big topic and it's a very hard topic for a lot of people to work with. Uh, I struggle with it. I continue to struggle with it, but um, it is uh, it is a very, very important topic because, of course, the more people that we can get free um, and, and freedom, look, freedom doesn't mean not being an employee. I mean, people can be employees mm -hmm. and be, be, be quite free as long as it's a choice, as long as it's not just, you know, ooh, I don't know if I want to, you know, that if, yeah. it's, if, it's, if it's a choice, then it's free. And so the more people we can make less afraid of entrepreneurship, you know, whether they become entrepreneurs or not is, is not the important thing, but at least they, they have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Stefan. This is uh, <laughs> feeling that empowerment. Good, good, man. Well, yeah. listen, you'll do great. You'll do great whatever you do. And, uh, you know, just, just keep your ears peeled to the ground for good community and, uh, you know, hit the afterburners, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care, man. Going to do it. Thanks. Bye. Bye.